Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three. We made it to episode three of the Table Yo. Podcast. We are here. My name is Nick Han, joined by my brother, Drew. He's here where we have the brother, the, the bright, vibrant uh, hoodies we're wearing. If you're, yep. if, you're, if you're listening, you can't see them, but I want you to imagine just like very, very the bright. The brightest. The brightest of boys. Yeah. That's who we are. And uh, Mickey couldn't make it today, so we got Taser Beam sitting in over here. Amen, uh, brother. Oh, there he is. And Taylor, Taylor, Miguel couldn't be here. Miggy Azalea couldn't be here because he had some business to tend to. He had to take his kid to the doctor, right? That's yeah. what he had to do. And his wife was, his wife, Sharissa Serrano, just calling her out on the podcast. She wasn't very happy. And so he's like, <laughs> sorry, guys, got to go. But Taylor jumped in as a pinch hitter yep. and he represents the younger generation. Switching up our demo. Hey, isn't it funny? You know what? We have a lot, we have like pastors and people in church work to listen to this podcast. You know what cracks me up? When like pastors are talking about the next generation and then the guys are like 40, the ones that they're talking about. Oh, yeah. I was watching this. Uh, I was watching this. They're like, they had like a young communicators weekend. Like, man, we're so glad about all our young communicators. And they were like all 40, 35 year old, 40, <laughs> nothing against 35 and 40 year olds, but you know, Hey pastors, no, like yeah. they, right. Like they, <laughs> that's not, that's not the next generation. Taylor is the next generation. Yeah, that's a, And, uh, yo. he know he knows what's cool. What's cool these days. Like what is, what's, you know, you can't make things cool. Okay. They you just, can't force it. They were just like, they arise. And okay. when they arise, you jump on the wave. It's yeah. Oh, the wave. The wave. What's, the new, what's the newest wave right now, though? Like, what's the wave right now? The wave right now, I would say, would be... Uh, hmm. There's too many things. He's There's like to... too many waves. Like yeah. what? Uh, like what direction? What's your wave? what's what's your catchphrase? Like what's the cool catchphrase that you're using right now? Right now I'm using yee 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 y e e y e e yee And this means what? It, like when someone's like, "Hey, what's up, Taylor?" I'm like, yee 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 yee. I like it. That could, we can make t-shirts out of that and stuff. Hey. What's another one? Another one is like when someone's like saying something, you're like, "No, you don't." Like you say it really quick. You just say <laughs> like say something. Okay, like, um, I don't know, like we're sitting here doing a podcast. No, we're not. <laughs> What's the That's point? Just obnoxious. That's the it's point. Just, so obnoxious. It just catches people off guard. Yeah, no, we're not. Like, she just, you're, you're, the, perp- the purpose is to, like, stop them in their tracks? Yeah. <laughs> really? That's so rude. That's so very rude. That's, man, you just you gotta keep got to be able to keep up. Yeah. Is, it, is it, like, is it lame, though? Can you tell when people are trying to be young? Yeah. Yeah? You can definitely point them out. And you should, and they shouldn't, they just shouldn't do that, right? Stay in your age bracket. Stay in your age bracket because you can, because you can stay young, right? Oh yeah, and, for and, sure. Because think about it. Today on the podcast we have special guest Carl Lentz, mm-hmm. who needs no introduction, oh. but he's he's cool. Yeah, you know he's what I mean. Cool. You could tell. Like no one thinks like, dude, you need to act your age. You don't think that about no. Carl Lentz, right? Right, Taylor? Mm-hmm. Does do you guys think that? I think he's cool. Yeah, he is cool because he act he but he yeah. he makes it work. He's got street cred. Street. <laughs> he's got. He's got street cred. Yee yee. Yee Yeah. <laughs> he definitely does. Hey, want to uh, say thank you for all the support uh, for the Table Podcast. We have a great response. And uh, continue to help us spread the word. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Uh, we also are on uh, on YouTube. Oh, that's my my son. Levi, come back in here. <laughs> come here. In fact, come here. You want to you wanna say something on the microphone? Come here. Come here. Come tell everybody. Come here. Come here. It's just a little impromptu. Let's go, this Levi. is Levi. We call him Leaves. Why don't you tell tell everybody he's a he's a musician. Tell everybody what you're. Tell him hi first. Hi. What's your name? Levi. Levi what? Levi Arkeo Levi Hand. What's your favorite song? Believer. Believer by Imagine Dragons. Okay, sing sing a little bit for him. Believer, ready go. Believer. Huh. Pain. Da 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 da. Believer. Uh huh. Believer. Yeah, that's pretty good. What what <laughs> other what other songs do you like? Um. 
What's another song you like? I can't sleep about it. You can't st- can't think about it. No. You know what's funny is like uh, his so he talks about Imagine Dragons. Like, dude, growing up, we could, we're not allowed to listen to secular music at all. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like at all? Like I remember my dad. Like one time I was uh, I was driving down the road in my Jeep with my cousin Nate. And um, my dad, we were like, we're driving on like a trip. We're listening to Dave Matthews Band. It was like when DMB was like really hot. And then my dad like pulled over and he like walked back to the window. We rolled down the window and he's like, hey, boys. We're like, yeah. He's like, just remember, no secular music. (laughs) We're like, gosh. My parents are hardcore. They they were hardcore. They did some hardcore things. They change over the years, though. You know what I mean? Like they, they were tougher. Oh, yeah. They were tougher on me than they were my younger yeah, you brother. I'll, t- I'll tell you, tell well, you that much. I remember changing um, like song titles, like listening to Hawthorne Heights. Remember that brand? Yeah. And I would. Ch- I remember changing Hawthorne every <laughs> every Taylor, track title. You don't know who Hawthorne Heights. I is. I don't know who any of these people are. You know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't even know what emo is. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> okay. So wait. So what were you saying? Did you change? The... I would change the like titles to like um, worship song titles. Oh you know gosh. I mean? So the, to trick them out, to fake them out. Yeah, because they would do like iPod checks and things. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> iPod checks. And you want to make sure you only got that. Chris Tomlin. Oh, um, I remember one time in grade school around Halloween time uh, at school, we were making these ghosts like out of out of out of wood. But you had to like it was like five dollars a person. So they sent uh, like a parent release form. You had to get it signed off. My parents wouldn't let me make the go the wooden ghost really? and let un- unless I wrote in Sharpie on the ghost. Holy ghost. Oh, my I God. swear to God. I swear to God. Wait, wh- how old were you? This would have been, I don't know, third grade. Gosh, I, I, so so like fast forward and like a couple years ago we were doing business with this guy uh locally here in town and he like owns this big corporation we we're having him make a sign or something he was like i think you went to school with my daughter and i was like really he's like yeah you're the holy ghost kid right i was like are, are you, you kidding no he, re- he remembered That's, he's like it like lodged in, yeah, yeah. In, in his brain you're the holy ghost kid so the holy ghost kid so they they try to it's funny though his parents go on like my i'm sure my dad and mom are listening but they they act like it didn't happen. Like, oh yeah, right. We didn't do that. Like, yeah. yes, you did. Parents, hey, it, it made it made me who I am today. <laughs> yeah. so. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't made, change a thing. Is your mom hardcore like that? First time I heard mm. Michael Jackson, I was thirteen. <laughs> but <laughs> did I sneak? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I did. Made made him who he is today. Your mom is your mom hardcore, Taylor? I want to say she's hard. Oh, well, she's hardcore, but yeah, I don't know. Hardcore. Like, I don't think she's ever made me write holy on like nah, a she's, she's yeah, she's she goes easier on you. But hey, uh, do us a favor, continue to tell your friends, spread the word, uh, like, subscribe, comment. It, it just helps kind of uh, make things continue to go. It also, we're looking for sponsors out there. Uh-huh. I mean, I wouldn't turn down a good sponsor. I, I you know, I want to be sponsored by good people though. You know what I mean? Like the, I had the meat market today here yeah. in town, but we can go on for for days. Anyway, Carl, <laughs> what are you Gatorade? Gatorade. Bang I know you're watching this. Yeah, Gatorade. Yeah. Gatorade. Somebody, somebody just, somebody, we just, we're going to celebrate. When we get our first sponsor, that'll oh, be yeah. a yep. thing. But today on the podcast, you're going to enjoy this one. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it. Carl Lentz, uh, man, there is, there is no one greater. He is just an incredible, not just preacher, communicator. Uh, he's an author, started, you know, started Hillsong uh, NYC. But beyond all that, beyond the accolades, he is the realest of the real, just like one of the best human beings, in my opinion, on the face of the planet. Uh, love him, admire him, look up to him. And, uh, and, um, I just think it's, it's just awesome what he, uh, stands for and the way that he lives his life. And so ladies and gentlemen, I know that you're going to love it. Uh, without further ado, Carl Lentz. Yeah, yeah. First the barricade, now the table. Yeah.
You don't really like headphones that much, huh? I don't mind them. You don't mind them? I've seen you on a few like uh, radio shows, and you're like, do we have to use Depends these? Depends on what what they're doing with them. Uh-huh. Sometimes they got producers in there, and I hate that. Oh, uh, you can hear them talking. Yeah, they they want you to, and I just will be like, I'm not trying. I didn't come here to have your producer. What do they like? What? What did they uh, try to like? You know, we're gonna come to you in five minutes, or oh, okay. maybe you know, ask this guy like just random stuff, uh, or the sound's bad. Okay. But they don't like. Do they preempt you to like say stuff or? Mm-mm. Okay. But I have really weird hearing because I had vertigo, so sometimes I can hear only background. Like if me and you had a conversation mm-hmm. and there was talking in the background, I wouldn't be able to hear you. I could just hear the little low-level combo. So, how, yeah. ver- how do you get vertigo? It's an inner ear problem. It's just random. There's little crystals in your ear drum that if they fall in the middle causes you to lose your balance uh-huh. and your brain starts sending random signals and that's where vertigo comes from i didn't know that either so you just random but you get it at random well and- they don't know what it's caused by it could be caused by a head injury something that jars your head and in, in you know whether it's like a like a hit or something so i don't know but i ended up getting surgery for it i had vertigo for like six months didn't know and you so how did you realize it just off feeling off balance you saw a bunch of doctors oh yeah. I mean, I knew I had vertigo, but didn't okay. know what to do about it. And you had to have surgery? Mm-hmm. That's also, is that when you, have you always worn glasses? That's when I had? found out my, my, my glasses were like, I've always worn glasses, but I didn't wear them consistently. Oh, okay. And then I found out that I was like, you know, in dire need because my, the strain on my eyes was causing adverse reaction to other stuff and it was bad. Wow. So that's why I, I recommitted to my contacts and my glasses. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, so being in the hot seat. I also broke my finger two days ago. Wait. I didn't have time to get it fixed when I came here. <laughs> Why is your... <laughs> no joke. And it's I, really as broken. As I was preaching last night, I was like, ah, I, I feel it, it doesn't look as bad as it does no, when it you does. go like that. It does look bad. <laughs> it feels bad, too. So if you're, well, listen, if you're listening to really this podcast crooked. and you can't see this. It's swollen and very crooked and... It's I, very you painful. You might want to go get that checked. I will, but I had to come to Fresno <laughs> Thanks, to see I you. Pre- I appreciate you doing that. So I was playing ball. I caught a pass, and it just clipped my finger. And I was like, I think I just broke my finger. <laughs> Played it out. And I went home, and I told <laughs> so my wife, I'm like, I definitely broke my finger. I don't have time to get it checked out. So it's very painful. It looks disgusting. It, it, yeah, well, it's an interesting look. <laughs> For you, you're... Uh, Try to focus. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, but you <laughs> hold the fingers up. You're kind of. That's kind of part of your personality, though, right? Like you kind of. Uh, you seem like you handle crazy stuff well. Well said. Good transition. <laughs> I was like, "What are you trying to say? I'm crooked." Um, yeah, I, no, no, crooked, no, like I your think, finger. <laughs> I think rolling with the, you know, the hand you've been dealt is such a part of our, of our faith of our life that. Yeah, I, I just, I try to, um, you know, make it matter. And I think our, our whole theme in New York, you know, like our basketball mantra has always been the Hillsong Hustlers, mm-hmm. and which freaks out religious people because they don't understand the, the term. Um, but to hustle is to use something that was sent to you one way, change it, send mm-hmm. it back another. So, you know, if you're going to give me a broken finger, I'm going to use it in my sermon. Yeah. If you're going to give us a church and a nightclub, we're going to use, you know, what, what we've been dealt and just try to have God, you know, do what He does in it. And yeah. yeah, it's kind of been, been our whole thing. Is that is it natural for you 
to do that? Like, is it second nature? Or do you have to consciously decide to respond that way? Um, I think it's a conscious decision to say, this is what we got to work with. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make the best of it. So I think it's a trained habit. It's become an attitude, for sure, where it's like, I'm going to think about what I can do with this first complain second. Yeah. And hopefully if you get if you get enough of part one, part two never comes. But I think you can train yourself to not complain and to go, well, this is this is what it is. Yeah. You know, okay, so whether that's from a diagnosis, whether that's being a pastor and looking at your church going, you know what, we don't have a lot of this, but we can use this. Or whether it's walking into work on Monday going, hey, it's not my dream job. Right. It's my now job. Right. I'm going to make it my dream. But that's a choice. For you, where, where does that come from or where did that start i one thing I, i've noticed about you know listening to you speak or communicate or or just talk in life uh, in general is there's a lot of things that i you know i would personally be inspired by but i for me they're not habit yet it's not just like a uh, muscle memory when mm-hmm. i talk with you there's certain things that just seem like our muscle memory what you're talking about right now is is one of them it's like you don't even realize that you're doing it you broke your finger and then you're just showing mm-hmm. up and well, we're going to get through it it's just <laughs> part of life and what's happening yeah where does that when did that become a habit where did that do you think that that starts for you is that oh, man you know? I, yeah you said something awesome in your in your cool truck yesterday about you think about what you don't think about Mm-hmm. what you think about it. it it was really trippy the way you said it and i love it i was like oh that's a podcast material mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it's some in church sometimes we find a way to make things that are simple sound so complicated yeah um and i think when it comes to how you form your habits it takes a lot of work and people don't want that yeah. they don't want to do that so most people are like pray for me <laughs> right I, I want change i want my breakthrough here's 1999 you know give me my four yeah. hankies yeah right. and my three prayer cloths <laughs> And I want to be different. And it's like, cool, I can give you prayer and hanky and miracle water, all that mm-hmm. stuff you can get late night Christian television. But the truth is you have to train yourself and it takes a lot of work to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to look at it this way. I'm going to look at it this way. Yeah. And you have a, a routine, you have a reward, you have a system and your brain functions that way. It's yeah. really practical. A lot of it's not, not even spiritual. The spiritual thing is the decision to do it, but the practicality of just training yourself to do, you know, create and form habits that are going to change your life, it takes work. When did, but have you always been like that? No. I think when you have a lot on the line, it's okay. amazing how hard you'll, you'll work for stuff. Yeah. So if my habits affect my attitude, my attitude affects my, my kids, my wife, my future, I'm going to work at it. But yeah. when you're, you know, 19, 22, you just have different stuff on the line. I mean, yeah. the older you get, sometimes... It can heighten your urgency to, to to make better decisions. When you talk about work at it, what is what is working at it or work look like for you? Um, you know, there's a there's a perception of what you, people would assume your work looks like. What's what, that perception? Tell me. Um, You're judging me. I can feel it through my I microphone. I see. You know, I just Guys. imagine you lots of TV interviews, lots mm. of celebrity esque stuff, frequenting TMZ, things of yeah. that nature. Totally, I love that. <laughs> It's but my I life, mean, guys. I just mean, uh, but but like, how do you define work? I mean, I'm sure you work for you when you're talking about it takes a lot of work. You're talking about more than probably than just leading a church. Mm. I mean, you're talking about the way that you live life in some ways. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, like my my job, um, our generation's done a pretty good job of redefining what being a pastor looks like. Yeah, in many regards, people don't know what that is. So yeah. back in the day. 
people would be like, well, pastors, they just preach on Sunday. And they might have been right. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know how all church backgrounds were, but I know now the way that we've been taught to run churches, you know, what you see is very, it's a small percentage in, in running an organization, uh, just from the staff to the leadership to the planning on stuff. It takes a lot of time. But um, no, I, I think, ah, I can't even, it's, it's tough to answer. Like, it, our job is to build Hillsong New York City, mm-hmm. you know, love the people in it. So we have a pretty good structure, pretty good team that we, you know, love to pour into. Um, preaching well takes a lot of work, takes yeah. a lot of prep, takes a lot of thought. Um, and then I've got a family and, and my my wife that, you know, they matter to me more than anything. So I don't, I, I think I, we all know the dangers of, of comparing your Instagram yeah. to other people's Instagram. Both are wrong. You know, yeah. yours isn't real. The person you're comparing it to probably isn't real. It yeah. is what it is. You can take it with a grain of salt. So people look at somebody's life and the only thing they know about them from Instagram but yet they have really strong opinions about a person. I always say it's really foolish. Uh-huh. You look like you have an easy life or you look like you have an awesome life. Both are wrong. Yeah. The truth is probably something you have to work to get to know. So I think uh, we try to do the best of uh, showing people the whole scope mm-hmm. of our life, which isn't cool and spectacular most of the time, really yeah. normal. And I'll pick up my kids from school. I go to, all, I go to my office. We have staff meetings. Um, we have dinner at home. Are you a meetings you know. guy? Do you, you do a no. lot of meetings? No, what do you think? No, I am not a... <laughs> what do you think? I think we're we're like efficient meeting people. Uh-huh. Like we have meetings that matter, but I think there's a book called Death by Meeting. Yeah. Um, something like that. I've never read it, of course. I read the Cliff Notes, but the title was cool. Um, yeah, we try to have meetings that matter. And yeah. uh, we have we have a really cool vibe, really good team, really good structure. But yeah, that's my, my day-to-day. Um, sometimes when the spotlight hits your your ordinary life, which is how I describe ours, uh-huh. it can just look like something it's not. And yeah. if you get caught in a tabloid, you know, thing, or if you have a succession of interviews, people can think that's what you do, and yeah. you just gotta let people think, think what, they, what they, want. they want to think. How different, or is it different, what your life kind of looks like now, even just in the day-to-day, compared to what you thought it would look like in the beginning of this journey? How diverse are those pictures? You know what? That's a good question. Um, you know, when I broke my finger, like I keep bringing it back to that. This is becoming a central point of this. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so it's a good question. So I'll, I'll break it down like this. So Ephesians 3.20, which I read last night, um, to your awesome church. I think I've, I've never been surprised at anything God has done, but I've been surprised at everything which seems like a paradox, but my point has always been, if Ephesians 3.20 is real, and this is good for anybody listening who's even on the fence with Christianity, or maybe they've been in for a long time, either way, if that's real, God is able to do more than you could ever ask, imagine, or dream, then that means uh, prepare for a really wild ride, because you can have your dreams, your vision, and your your goals, but if that verse is real, they better be in pencil. (laughs) Whatever, Whatever stuff you're writing out on your vision board, better be easily erasable yeah. and so our thing was all right we're gonna reach we're gonna serve everybody we can and so people ask me now can you believe that some of the scope of people we've been able to serve and i'm like no but yes i believe ephesians three twenty. can you believe a dude from virginia ended up in new york city no but yes yeah because i'm well aware of who i am but really aware of who jesus is yeah. can you believe your church is is you know hopefully making a difference and i would say no but yes yeah so that that balance is always like when people are like, did you ever think you'd do what you're doing? I'm like, 
Kind of because of Ephesians 3.20. Yeah. God said that I'll do this with you. Yeah. Meaning he'll do way out of capacity things with guys like us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we can let him. That's my goal. It comes across sometimes when, you know, even when I hear you talk that there's a, a lot of it is just, you know, trusting God and ride, being along for the ride kind of thing. Mm. You have other people that you talk to that are very or extremely to a fault goal driven. And the goal is this. And when I get to that, then, yeah. you know, for you, is it one or the other? Is it both? Like, how do you separate the goal from here's where, I, where I'm heading? Yeah, it's both. I think how you get to that goal, it may be is the key. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm just as goal driven. Uh, I think in the past, I probably did. A, uh, I should have done a better job of talking about the practical side of stuff uh-huh. because people would say, how, did, how does your church, you know, grow or whatever? And I would just give really big answers just with a fear of not wanting people to think that we're saying we're, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think maybe I should have highlighted more. Um, like we we're talking about church structure. There yeah. are simple things you can do in a church service to make it better quicker that would help everybody. Um, but I don't think it having like these 10, 10 steps and these nine goals, I don't yeah. think that's what it's about. But I also don't think it's about sitting there and trusting God. It's like, hey, you're going to work hard? No, I'm trusting God. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what these peace symbols are, but <laughs> they matter. It's a trusting God symbol. It just means I'm trusting God. So I think the way that we trust him on the way to these goals and stuff, it just there's peace in there, there's planning, and there's, there's just God's going to do this. So the striving aspect yeah. is what I have a disdain for. Yeah. When you can just meet some people and everything about them is just like they're it's like dude, you're, just, you're striving yeah. and you're pushing. And there's a yeah. difference between working your butt off. I'm gonna outwork people to the day I die. Yeah, but I'm not gonna tell everybody about it. Like that's how I ended up playing really high level basketball. Not because I'm good, because I was good, but I would also work 20 times harder than you. Right, beat you to the locker room, beat you to the weight room. Like I, so I've always known the value of like outperforming your ability yeah so i now i have the peace of god in the middle of it so sometimes it makes it look easy that's my goal yeah it does for you what is uh what do goals look like for you a lot for a lot of people they're driven by status you know everybody's goals are driven by different things what do you what what is a goal for you i want to have a big clout profile (laughs) a clout profile is Uh, when they combine all of your social media stuff uh and you get a score and i'm trying to um trying to get that up there trying to cloud it out uh <laughs> i have a friend uh who has a song called clout god he's a mm-hmm. rapper coming out of jersey and he tried to get me to wear the shirt and yali if you're listening i love you i'm not wearing the shirt i'm like i'm not wearing anything that says god on it bro <laughs> not not that, like, like street god clout yeah. god anyway so i think your original question was what's my what is it yeah how do you define a goal like what do your goals look like um ah I'm gonna make up stuff right now because okay. there's Just, gonna be other no there's gonna be other pastors on here that's gonna make my answers look so bad. Like my goal, oh, my goal is to try to have a really incredible marriage, and I'm not just saying that. Um, and then love my kids, and then teach my staff mm-hmm. really well, and work hard on on our Sunday thing. That's I don't have like these big rollout goals because. I don't, I don't work like that. Yeah. And I think there are some people who don't work like that either, and that's going to encourage them. Other people who are like, oh, well, I'm really goal-oriented. Like, do you, whatever right. you do. I have little goals, but I don't, I don't know if I'm created like that. Like, I'll crush what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I think God works the best with me in that regard. So I try to honor my wife and work on my marriage, because if that's right, I, I, do, I do parenting better. And if yeah. I'm parenting well, 
then I go into the staff meeting on Tuesday and I dream bigger and I preach better and I'm more focused. And then yeah. if my staff is healthy, Sunday I'm I'm much more engaged. And then if, so to me it all it all flows together. So I'm not like pointing at Sunday. Sunday we need to have this many people. Yeah. And then you know in seven years we need to have seven campuses and seven boroughs. Yeah. In in New York City and we're gonna do it like this. And I don't know. I'm just trying to make sure my wife wants to be with me for another 40 years yeah and then make sure i don't miss it with my kids because yeah. they're gone ava's 13. i got her for a couple more years in the house and um i don't want to look back and be like I, I missed something because i was worried about something that was going to change she's yeah. you know so that that's my priority with things when you talk about parenting what do you what is the biggest lesson being a parent is probably don't have you. kids <laughs> save money and don't save, have kids yeah just, just do something different <laughs> Oh. Now, parenting to me is, me and Laura are um, unified, so we've never known what it's like to fight about parenting, and that sounds crazy, but you meet couples who don't agree on mm -hmm. how to raise their kids, and it's, it's a total disaster. So yeah. you get the mom who's protective, and the dad who's this, or the dad who doesn't do anything because he feels guilty, and the mom who has to be the disciplinarian and the everything. Um, our biggest strength is that we agree on parenting. And we go into that that um, frontier unified. So our kids know we're together. Um, we don't ever disagree on discipline or our roles. Like my role has always been to drop the hammer. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how long I've been traveling. And we've done this since our kids were little. Doesn't matter how, how you know much I've been away. Yeah. Laura's job is not to raise these babies and be the bad guy and the good guy. And the you know she's always been able to say, well, when your dad gets back, mm -hmm. do, yeah, good luck talking yeah. to him like that and yeah. and so over the years my kids know that my mom that their mom comes first yeah and so that's been a really huge strength but our kids are awesome we're honest with them um we try to treat them like who they are um and who they're going to be rather than you know try to treat them like kids yeah. often and i've seen that work really well but we could do a whole podcast on right right uh, how to not have devil children <laughs> which we see often it's like oh my gosh like yeah, what's going on there what's with your child <laughs> when you talk about you guys being on the same page with parenting, edit the devil it... thing i don't want that thing <laughs> what do you talk about you guys being on the same page of parenting is that something that just naturally happened for you guys okay. like even so you guys talk through talk yeah, through that it's absolutely not just... I always ask young couples, like, so what's your, what do you guys think about parenting? Oh, well, you know, we'll get to that. And it's like, no, you need to start talking about it now. Mm -hmm. Like, when we have kids, this is how I think it should be. And then you start seeing early premarital mm -hmm. stuffy. Okay, good. Glad we talked about this. Like, oh, I'm, you know, we had the wife who's like, I'm, we're going to co-parent because I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to do my career. And the guy's like, career? Right. You need to raise these kids. Yeah. You need to raise these kids. Yeah. It's like, so that kind of stuff. Um, you really gotta communicate about and work through. Yeah, makes sense. Do you when you within in raising kids when you look at what your kids go through now versus what you experienced growing up? Everybody kind of has a different answer to this question, but do you think that they're challenges? Me, or, me, and, me, and, me and Robert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you or Robert have differences of opinion on this, but um, growing up, do you think that their challenges are greater or less than what previous generations had? Oh. I think harder. Like uh -huh. I, I just can't imagine what it would have been like. And I was, I struggled like all, all of us did in high school and beyond with being insecure, trying to please people, <laughs> temptation. Yeah. But my kids, like I don't know what it's like to to live through your phone. 
And I, I'm like an old school dad, but I've had to really adapt because like our kids don't go kick it with their friends per se. Like they yeah. kick it with their friends on like a virtual chat with seven of them. I'm like, you need to go hang with your friends. and be like, I am dad. There's like 19 faces on the phone. You're just yeah. like, this generation is so weird. But I don't yeah. know what it's like um, to deal with culture. Like my kids are having to deal with it. So it just it sends you to your prayer life mm -hmm. and it just makes you... What you can't do is back up. There's a lot of parents right now that are backing up because they're just so freaked out. I'm going further in. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand my kids, trying to be in their world. And What does that look like? How do you do? Asking them questions uh -huh. and just being relentless with what I'm passionate about. So like phones, like, Dad, I can't believe you're always checking my phone. Nobody does that. Could care less about nobody. <laughs> could care yeah. less. Bring nobody here so yeah. I can tell him to his face <laughs> that I could care less about him. Um, that kind of stuff, like sitting on their bed, just, hey. What kind of music did you listen to today? You know, what what do those words mean? Who's YG? What is what is what is that? What does he stand? What does that name stand for? Um, you know, did you hear what this guy said on the radio? Um, you so you love Nicki Minaj? Cool. Do you know what these lyrics mean? And mm -hmm. just breaking stuff down and having that constant communication. You can tell your kids on one hand kind of are annoyed by it, but they're not. They mm -hmm. love the in something in their soul finds peace when their dad, you know, is is asking questions that matter. So yeah. yeah. What for, for you talking about things like that, obviously, uh, being somebody that believes that what you put into your soul matters, mm. where, where is that uh, line drawn and w what does that look like, you know, when it mm. comes to culture and I mean, you're, you influence a lot of people, I think that even you, you reference. Mm. So at the same time, having to coach your kids through things like lyrics and what are you putting into yourself? How do you separate the two or do you? Or It's really good. Um, my kids know um, I, I, I need to do a better job. I have over the years of trying to make sure. I think sometimes my response to pushing back towards religion has, you know, I need to be clearer on what my own ratio is sometimes. So sometimes mm -hmm. I get so freaked out by Christians just putting themselves in little boxes like you need to listen to more music yeah. and over the years i've tried to define it to make sure i help people better but i just i don't have i'm not good enough to listen to bad things a lot i'm mm -hmm. not good enough to have um ambiguous standards so maybe people are better than me but i know that if i'm if i don't have my ratio of 99 percent soul building soul uplifting stuff i can't make it i don't so i don't from music to television to whatever, um, I've really tried to know that I need Jesus. I need to. I need to have supernatural stuff in my soul all the time, or else I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I've tried to teach my kids like um, be able to see the good in things, be able to pick the gift out of the mess, be able to look at people who are different than you and try to find what they're good at. So let's listen to Takashi, mm -hmm. edited version why why, right. why let's talk about why this guy sells millions of albums yeah. let's talk about why he's the hottest rapper in new york city like he's got yeah. tattoos on his face he's got skittle hair color yeah um you know i don't want you to get tattoos on your face son i don't want you to do this to your hair but why does why do you think he's good well dad his articulation mm -hmm. i can i can see my son being able to not being scared by a you know son he's got he's got tattoos on his right. face we don't listen to that nah, yeah, my not son's not rattled by that yeah and the same thing with my my own kids so it's like try to teach them through the culture rather than, you know, teach them outside of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I've wondered about this I'll, I'll, I've, because I don't know that I fully know what I think about it. Do you think when it comes to um, watching what 
you put into your soul or what you put yourself around, how much of it has to do with, I guess, the person or personality too? Like one thing I think about, I think about the differences between my wife and I, like she can watch evening news or a drama television program that has murder and yeah. certain things in it and it can totally ruin her night. If yeah. I watch it, I don't I go right to sleep. doesn't bother yeah. me at all. Do you think that it is affecting us and we don't really realize it? No, or do you think it's burst I based don't. upon personality? I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody no, I, has I analytics want, and stats on it. And it's like, whatever. I people want your are, opinion. People are different. Like, uh -huh. I, I feel like uh, I was trying to teach our church about convictions the other day about how it's okay to have a conviction, how not to put that off on somebody else. Like, mm -hmm. my conviction. It used to be if it was my way, I was going to preach about it to everybody. Yeah. And I still do that to a degree. It's, the, it's your right as a pastor. Mm -hmm. But... I do think that we make everything kind of through our own little filter. And I think got to find out what's right for you. Like, I love The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I've, all, I've been in that show since day one, right? Yeah. Some people can't watch flesh-eating zombies. Right. To me, I'm like, it's not flesh-eating zombies. Like, this is filmed in Atlanta. Yeah. I know the lot it's filmed in. That's like mush. That's like putty. It's yeah. not, it's, I'm not like watching that going, oh, zombies. My wife freaks her out. So we're not going to watch that at the same time. Like, whatever works for you, um, I just think taking the stigma off stuff is it's just not as big a deal sometimes yeah. we make it um but you just got to respond to the holy spirit know your own know your own pace know your own soul how, how does that integrate into things like parenting for you like separating virtual from reality and things like my oldest son is into Fortnite and things like that and video games one conversation that i hear people have is like does that is that affecting kids growing up what do you think about that like is there a separation between the two like if, well, how do we how do we gauge and know like what you're talking about depending on your convictions when you're a kid hmm. a lot of times you don't even have those really developed yet you're kind of formidable and yeah it's hard because like so my son he loves video games and i let him play these games but not these games and it's hypocritical to a degree and i get that i'm uh -huh. like son we're not gonna do gta but why dad because i don't want you robbing and stealing you know, virtually. Right. I just don't, I just, I don't like GTA. Okay. Here's Mortal Kombat where they're like ripping right. spines out <laughs> and like crushing skulls. I'm okay with this, but I'm not yeah. okay with that. My son's looking at me like, you know, dad, I know you, you're a hypocrite when you parent, but I think that that's the tension of trying to like, it's, it's a lot harder to live conviction spirit led than it is to live rule driven. Yeah. Rule driven doesn't work either. We've, we've all seen kids that are just the moment they get out of the house, they rebel because all they've ever known is rules. That's why being led by the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's step by step. So I just feel like it's just, it requires constant attention and constant connection to, to Jesus. And so I don't know. I just, I'm is just, there maybe not like a blanket answer for no you? No blanket yeah. answer for me because I just know what it does to his spirit. And I know what stuff does to my spirit. Like I can listen to some songs and it doesn't make me feel uh, like I'm going this direction. I can listen to other songs and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like what that does to my spirit. I can walk into some restaurants like that, clubs like that. I can yeah. go, you know what? This is okay. I think other places, no. And I think that's the beauty of being a Christian is that the Holy Spirit will lead you if you let him. Yeah. It's interesting because in our society, you know, there's a big conversation based upon issues that we've had even through politics and different things about things like gun control, right? We talk about mm -hmm. things like that, which is a loaded conversation. Everybody has their, you know, opinions on, on what that should look like. When you look, I, I think a lot of times I think beyond that, I think about, yeah, you know, reconsidering gun laws or having conversation about that, especially for adults. I think the ones that are always striking to me are the, the school shootings that happen 
at the hands of other children, like mm. people that aren't aren't in a place where they're adults, you know, um, they're in a very formidable age. And we, we talk about how disgusting that is and how horrible that is. Um, and at the same time, it's, I, I again, still don't really know what I personally mm. think about. I'm still kind of wrestling with it, but it is also equally interesting that, I mean, when it comes to guns, I mean, it's a huge part of what kids entertain themselves with. I mean, no, I mean, my kids have Nerf guns yeah. and play guns and toy guns. Everywhere, and my, yeah. my three-year-old walks around, play, shooting. And I, we don't think anything really of it. Do you think that those things are – when we talk about – I mean, you're a huge uh, proponent. You have a lot of conversation about the soul. Yeah. Your real person is some of that random. Do you think that – and I'm not – I don't know. I'm not slated mm-hmm. either way. Just for conversation's sake, what, what is kind of your take on – on some of that is there a responsibility or is it yeah i feel like anything that is big anything that's you know culturally relevant if you're not putting a narrative to it somebody else is for your kids yeah. so to act like your kids aren't talking about charlottesville yeah gun control school shootings um you know so if i see something happening i'm gonna get ahead of it so when the, like when there was a, a bunch of school shootings a couple months back, or not even like maybe last year, I remember I didn't want my kids to get some you know God bless the school system and the teachers that are there, but right. some are whack, yeah, awful, and the way they talk about stuff, it's like okay guys, if we get attacked in our classroom, here are the step. I'm like hey, you know I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and take the reins as the dad and say yeah. hey look y'all, this is the world we live in. Yeah, here's what's happening in school. I don't ever want you to live in fear. I'm sure you're, you know, it, so it's your job as a parent to, again, everything comes back to what being totally involved, totally proactive, getting, I mean, that, this is parenting. So whether it's racism, gun control, Donald Trump on every TV screen my kids are going to see, um, whatever it is, you know, we really got to, I remember uh, I heard my Charlie, like Trump came on uh, the news and she had said something just kind of like exasperated. I said, you, what's up with you being exasperated with the president? And she just said something. I said, who, who told you that mm-hmm. about the president? And, um, and she was like, oh, you know, my teacher said it. I went, really? You know, although I might have agreed yeah. with what I said. So your teacher said that? Okay, interesting. How about you tell your teacher the next time she gives you her political opinion yeah. that you're not in there. You're not in there for, you know, yeah. tell me about it. I'm going to come in there and talk to your teacher. I could get all like, yeah. aggressive about it. But <laughs> the point is, like, I had, yeah. that, that came from somewhere. Yeah. Like, if I, I want to tell my daughter what we think. I always say that to my kids. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't believe how many voices there are. And you have to, you got to be able to run your own household, make sure you get the first word. Yeah. I guess when I think through it, it for me, it comes back to, I guess, just more conversation about some of that stuff. Do you have time to talk to your children? Yeah. Doesn't take a lot, but you have to. What's everybody saying about our president at school? What's right. everybody saying about the school shooting? Right. What's everybody saying about? And I, I'm always shocked about the the deluge of stuff that comes yeah. out of my kids when I get, yeah I fight through the first five minutes of them acting like they don't ever want to talk. And yeah. there are some dinners where the di- dinner the dinners are awful, yeah. and I send people to their rooms, and I'm like, our family's breaking at the seams. Nobody wants you know. It's like I there are those days as a parent where you feel like nothing's yeah. working, nobody's talking, but you you do it again the next day. Yeah, you do it again the next day, yeah. and after a while you get a rhythm. Especially, I guess, because in our society, 
in American culture, we are the masters of a double standard. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a part of you know we'll we'll laugh at certain comedy and then be mad at people but for doing. But this is too much. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or or judge people when it becomes a part of the real life. We're not joke about it, joking about it. We'll watch it on TV, but if it's mm. you know somebody in real life, then there's judgment. Right. I think in everything, even with what I'm talking about with kids and guns and toy guns, we kids shouldn't have guns, but let them play with them as toys. You know, there is part of a double standard in the sense of how we think. But I don't know that. I guess what I'm getting at is you're not you're not going to change some of those things. No. Like that's the way. It's the behind the curtain way that our society functions. Yeah, and I guess we it's, gotta, the, we it's ha- the age of outrage. Yeah, which is what I heard it defined as, and I just refuse to be on my back foot with that. You yeah. know, and I feel like we got to be able to talk about stuff and and not lose it in the middle of it. And everyone's gonna freak out about stuff if we don't give it a voice. So right now, our culture looks around. Is anybody mad? Anybody offended? Okay, we can go with this. Yeah. Anybody mad? Anybody offended? And yeah. it's just like I'm not living like that. Like yeah. I've talked, especially I've talked to my daughters about what it's like to be a woman in this day and age and what they have to do to be able to go two times better, two times ahead. And I said, at the same time, this is how a man should treat you. But I said, at the same time, it's okay if a man says you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying that. I mean, you can't tell me that I can't tell somebody that they're they're beautiful. I was like, if you look at a man someday and you're like, yeah, you, you look handsome, yeah. you're not sexist. And, yeah. and if a man says that to you, he's not necessarily sexist. However, if he says it like this, yeah. in this tone of voice, like it's just, again, everything we're, we're talking about comes down to what interaction, communication, connection, mm-hmm. deposit, withdrawal, all stuff that people don't really want to do sometimes. Yeah. You just have to be intentional with yeah. it. When you look at, uh, you know, you talk about... Um, Things like the climate of Diet Coke out there. <laughs> you I love your one. Diet Coke. I'm just. You? I, I need my caffeine. <laughs> Grab this man a Diet Coke, would you? You like Diet Coke though? That's your. That's why I do like one or two in the morning. Don't they say that diet the diet stuff is not good for you? What you is good care. for you? Carrots, bananas, carrots, carrots aren't and good greens. Not nah, some of those Radish. greens will kill you. Some of those well, greens aren't you. even natural. <laughs> you think they came out green? Well, yeah. Judge me if you like. I'm no, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm not worried about any of it. <laughs> that that much is true. <laughs> uh, talking about not worrying about any of it. You're pinky. You're poor pinky. You really should get that checked out. Well, I'm in Fresno. <laughs> You'll be home soon enough. How do you deal with the uh, the heat, the criticism, things like that? You talk about. It seems to me like uh, like you really just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know that you're that you're, uh, you're confident in your convictions. Mm. Is it as easy as that? Uh, most of the time, I think it, it's taken. Um, no, I mean the the answer is no. It's, it takes years of uh, rechecking your own security, your own convictions. Um, I always want to have a soft heart. Um, always want to be compassionate, and I think if you meet anybody who looks like they really don't care, mm-hmm. either they're wrong or they've they've gone the other way with being desensitized. So for me over the years, like it was definitely a new thing early on at Hillsong NYC to catch a lot of heat. I feel like I've always caught heat um, from whatever, being a leader in any sphere, but it was a different level with our church. And it was just new for me to feel like that weight of um, critical judgment. And I have a need to be understood. That's Mm -hmm. my thing. And that comes from being hopefully a guy who loves to reach people. And so I always am under the impression if I can get five minutes with you, 
we're going to be best friends. Mm -hmm. And no, no, it's not like that. Let me explain this to you. That's my yeah. passion in life. And then when it becomes about you, you're like, you think what? Like, yeah. are you for real? Yeah. No, no, no. And then it becomes 10, 20. Then you're dealing with thousands of opinions. And you're like, oh my gosh, either I get this, I get peace in this, or I'm going to feel bad a lot. And I think um, if you know who you are and you know who you're not, what people say about you, um, it doesn't add fuel um, and it doesn't add vitriol. It does either way. You just live in the middle. And I always tell people it's not what people say about you. It's who says what about you. Mm -hmm. So if you have the right people and they are conferring and making sure the right things are who you, you know, you're. if I want to know who I am, I'm going to talk to the five people I trust. Is this true? Is this right? Could this be a real thing? No? Yes? I'll, but if that if that's in line, then you can say what you want. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's different than being proud. That's not who I am. Anybody who says stuff like that, they don't have good friends. Yeah. So for me, if you came to me with a criticism, I would never write it off because mm -hmm. I'd never want to live that proud. Even if I know right away you're wrong, I'm going to consider what you said. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it to heaven. Ask the people that I trust because I just can't know everything about myself. Yeah. No, we're not perfect, and I'm going to check it out. And then if you're wrong, cool. But I'm not just going to write you off or just take it verbatim. Yeah. So I think with some of the hate... Some of the crazy stuff. I also learned in this culture, uh, the classic phrase, hurt people, hurt people, is still really true. Yeah. And now you can just take really, you can just take random shots at people and they're going to get it. And that's the thing about helping and knowing some celebrities. Like they, they do hear and read a lot. Yeah. And never before in our age have we been like, I could say this to you. I hate you. Your church is awful. Yeah. I went to Fresno celebration. The yeah. worst. The music was awful. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then you, it might actually get to the musician. Yeah. And then that's that's a new thing where people just feel like they have the right to just be nasty and critical, and we got to deal with it. So. Uh, it's taken me a while to make sure my skin remains thick, but my heart remains soft. And, and that's you, a tough paradox. And you do that by what? Just with the people around you? It gets easier over time, for yeah. sure. Um, because if you use it correctly, I mean, it, we should be making the right people mad. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, 100%. oh, my gosh. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, like, how come everybody agrees with this thought? Yeah. Like, I got to go reevaluate. Like, especially when stuff was hot politically. I'm like, some of y'all need to check who's in your political room. Yeah. And make sure, look around at who agrees with you. And if you don't like that room, you might want to check your views, yeah. right? And that's how it is in life in general. I think you got to make sure that you have the right level of peace and the right level of war in your life. Because anytime as a Christian, if I'm not having that, those two things in play, something's wrong. Yeah. So it gets easier. Um, God brings comfort. And if you understand that every, every step you take in this life, step forward in your marriage, in your church, it comes with a different wave of opposition mm -hmm. gonna be fine like we expect some of this yeah talking about politics how, how are you how do you handle um i guess that area being a public voice being someone who um and obviously you're you're a pastor but a lot of the things that you talk about or that obviously you fight for when you're fighting for people mm. there's a lot of political systems that are intertwined that are causing the effect that mm. society is um, you know, affected by or the things that they're going through. How do you how do you draw draw the lines? Is it beyond for you? Obviously, probably political category. Yeah, it's tough, bro, because it's prayerful and it's it's really it's touchy for me because I never want to tell people, uh, in some in some respects, how to live. But in the same time, that's what a pastor does. So we're trying to help people make the best decisions possible yeah. on both sides. So it's like, 
um, especially politically. Yeah, there are some issues that should be pretty clear. Yeah. But those issues are not linked to these issues. Yeah. And your whole life you've thought that voting this way means this and you could be wrong. Right. And you've thought that voting this way means this and you could be wrong. But let's just let's be thoughtful about every every issue that we care about. And our, our goal is not to tell people how to vote. Our goal is to teach people about who Jesus is and what these what these kingdom dynamics look like politically. And um, these are these are uncharted waters in the United States of America. Getting, yeah. It's getting weird, and uh, I'm glad to be a Christian in this. Yeah, but I just ref- just refuse to allow the political climate to be a source of um, distress and disunity in our church. That's my goal. How do you think you draw some of the the lines as it pertains to, I guess, what Christians should have as convictions in the sense of everybody kind of casts their vote when it comes to. It seems like everybody, when it comes to a political candidate or somebody in politics, mm. based upon a few s- narrow passion points of theirs. So, like for Christians, obviously, like abortion is a big one. And yeah. Whoever is a, whoever is anti-abortion, that's the person I vote for. And they don't look at the slew of other things within the category. Somebody on the other side may be pro-abortion. They have a slew of other things. How do you prioritize what? is most important within the context of faith, whether it be abortion or... It's got to be, you know, be conviction-based. Uh-huh. And there's so many easy ways to get to some answers on that. So if someone's like... I, but my thing is, if you really have considered every view and every line of thinking, nothing's simple. Yeah. And we're so used to thinking it's black and white. Well, it's black and white for you. You know, I talked right. to some guy the other day. <laughs> so he's like, it's like, he was really like, I am... I am a person I'm passionate about the the sanctity of life like mm-hmm. I'm a psalm I'm a psalm guy through and through that's my that's my doctrine I knew you before I created you yeah in your mother's womb that's that's our political belief but this guy was like I, you know I I vote for people who are you know building these laws and I'm like so you're pro life and he's like yeah I'm like but the guy you, you right now are talking about he he's pro war mm-hmm. you know we kill people as a country that's different oh yeah. you, so you've redefined death yeah in your mind. So you say you're pro-life, but you're pro-electric chair and you're pro-death in many other sphere. And the guy had never thought of this logic. And to which I'm like, so it just gets you, you're not necessarily wrong about this issue, but uh, you got to walk that through logically. And now you're starting to open up your mind a little bit to go, okay, cool, I can see why you're like, it's got black and white, life matters. Well, no, it doesn't. It also doesn't, it doesn't matter to you four ticks down on the same ticket. Yeah. Because you say you're voting for this guy because life matters, but the same guy is the one who's responsible for capital punishment. Right. So what, what's it going to be? It can't be life. You can't be running on the life issue. Yeah. And so my point is just trying to help people at least be more sensitive to other people's understanding of their view. Because it's not as easy or as simple as you may think. And even that helps the cause a little bit. Still have your view. Be as passionate as you want, but understand that everybody gets there differently. How do you draw those lines? I got to go with my heart. Got to go with my soul. Got to open up my Bible. And I got to look at what Jesus said. And I've got to pray about it and uh, make sure that this is God first, God principles, God's kingdom. And even in disagreement, look at, you know, my wife and go, this is what we believe. And according to our prism of who Jesus is, these are this, this is how we have to go. And, and it's been really difficult at times. How have you navigated with the current presidency and looking at 
Uh, it's funny because you see a lot of Christians, Christians, the people who have been raised in Christianity and mm. been inundated with it. Some most of them think that Christianity is synonymous with Republican, and whoever is the Republican candidate, it, well, it has they, been. They can do they can do no wrong, and anything that they do, we, we get behind it. There's obviously been a, a parting of ways of that type of ideology in a lot of ways, especially within the church, within mm-hmm. this presidency, with certain things that hey, even though you know this may be our president, we may be Christians. There's certain things here that we probably need to re- reconsider. Mm. Um, for you being someone that I would imagine has differences uh, mm. with even our, our our current president and how maybe things are done, yeah. Um, and then at the same time having to navigate the waters of he, you know, of who is our president. How do you how how do you kind of navigate through that? Uh, slowly, prayerfully. I love. I, I always, even during the height of like the not my president hashtag thing. Uh-huh. I love telling people to say that he definitely is. Yeah, <laughs> not my he president. Is. No, he's your. He he's is hundred percent. He your is. Go violate a law. Yeah. You're going to go to not your jail. <laughs> um, not my prison sentence. Mm, yeah, it is. No, it's your prison. Unless uh, I could carry it away. I didn't. That's your prison. Mm, no. We're in the same country. <laughs> um, I think. No, I, I, I just feel like trying to help people understand where you get your views from, where you get your thoughts from, is everything. And it's crazy right now. There's, there's no, there's no balance. There's no middle ground. There's no like the, people think that this guy is the worst human being to ever live, or this guy can do no wrong, or yeah. whatever it is. And it just is reflective of our views. We're proud people. Yeah. Um, and I, I keep saying about the president, if he could apologize once in a while. Yeah. My gosh, who knows yeah. what the climate right. would be like if we could just, you know. Yeah. And on both sides it, it, of this political thing, if if people who think that our president is the worst thing to ever exist, if you could not say that, pull it back, dial it back. If people who think he, this dude can do no wrong and everybody's, if you could pull that back a little bit, like this humility and lack of, I have to be, you know, the loudest voice and the rightest in the room. It's just, ah, I don't know. I feel like there's hope. Because we can do this, yeah. You know, we can we can still win this, and we're we're going to. Meaning, the spirit of our nation. The laws are going to be weird. The White House is going to be weird. The government isn't what we're promised to have be the thing. We're promised to have Jesus in the middle of this storm till the day He comes back, and it's going to get. You know, it's going to probably even get worse and weirder. And that's why our churches have to keep on, you know, rising up and being smart. But my thing right now with the president, I pray for him. Um, I pray that God helps him, changes him, uses him like I do everybody in severe disagreement on some things. Um, I do also think there are moments where he's made a good good decision or two. Um, But yeah, I think that I understand why some people are so upset and freaked out and annoyed. And I think it's less about the president. It's more about the people that support him. Right. That to me is my been my understanding in New York. People are like, no, it's not that. It's like I, these people are acting like this. This this isn't happening. This is yeah. insane. Like I don't even get into some of that stuff. But whether it's from Colin Kaepernick to yeah, you know, just the just the whole chapter of race. Yeah. Um, it's imp- it's it's just unbelievable how people can't see how how jarringly unsettling this can be. That was one that you. I mean, you you got involved in that one on social media, didn't you? With uh, yeah, Kaepernick I did. I did just just out of frustration, and that's probably not the wisest thing to do. But I was I was actually trying to just break it down again for people mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, this has never been an anthem issue." Yeah. Okay. It was just Colin Kaepernick was protesting police br- yeah. brutality, like white America, right. uh, white NFL America turned this into an anthem thing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the anthem's new. 
This has yeah. never been a long-standing thing in our country. The anthem is an awful song. If you break it down <laughs> verse by verse, it's horrifically racist. Um, secondly, taking a knee is a sign of reverence. So in, just so everybody knows, like, how, like this guy, like, because what somebody said it was about doesn't change the fact that he goes, I'm going to, in this moment, I'm going to get our country to just know that I'm passionate about this issue. Um, I talked to more veterans than whoever's listening has. You know, yeah. I, I've, I've uh, talked to more police officers that go, now nah, we get it, than, than the critic of whatever this view is. But the point is, we, if we don't do our homework on stuff, we get hoodwinked quickly. Yeah. Quickly. And it's happening with Trump. It's happening with things like Kaepernick. You know, and I, I was just trying to help people out. Like, hey, you can have your opinion on Kaepernick, but quit saying this is about the anthem. Yeah. This was never about that. Um, and I personally believe, like, it's a very, it's a very noble thing to be able to, um, you know, stand in the face of any adversity. And I felt like it was a simple thing for me what Kaepernick was doing. Yeah. How, how is this not simple? Yeah, that was my frustration. But I'm, I, I could be wrong, and if someone disagrees, good for them. Well, it seems most people. We were talking about this a little bit, but uh, most people take information as truth. So mm -hmm. anything that they hear on the news, well wh said. Whoever they hear it from first, this is bad. This is bad. You know, they disagree with the yeah, it's bad. They don't know why they think it's bad. Yeah, or they don't know what they believe about the issue. Mm. It's that thing that. As humans, we don't usually think about what we Rope. think about. We don't take time to. Why do I have these convictions? Why do I have these beliefs? Why do I? Yeah. What, what why do friends, I? Why do I feel this way when somebody says something? He, one of my friends, uh, he would play for the Giants, and I, and he was at the height of the Kaepernick thing. Was just like, can you believe it? He's doing this, and I was like, yeah. You know, I said, well, what do you think about it? And everything that came out was information from. You know a different source and i was like yeah. let's here's some more information for you to compute this is this is why i think that he's doing this and that conversation opened up my friend's eyes to mm. his source of information and i was like let me put you in touch with some people who think differently about this because i was actually trying to get him to at least put his arm around yeah one of his black teammates and i was like you don't have to believe this but if i were you you know you're you're a cool looking white dude people love you do something you don't yeah. do everything, but here, oh, if I do that, it's going to be this. And got in this big conversation. I was like, let's just talk about where you get your info from. Yeah. Um, that guy who you don't understand is actually in your locker room. Yeah. Go ask him because you, I mean, you're, you got a teammate. Go, and sometimes that's what it's like with our neighbors. It's what it's like in our cities. Like, can you believe that? It's, and I go find somebody who is in that segment of something you don't understand. Yeah. Just go talk. What, yeah. do, you, what do you have to lose? really is the power of conversation and in our society it seems more and more it's uh, and maybe because it makes us have to be vulnerable mm. but to be willing to engage in conversation difficult conversation conversation where you're not just telling somebody what you think but mm -hmm. really l going into the conversation with the intention of I want to learn I want to learn something most people don't want to hear anything you actually you're really good at this by the way because you actually listen um, most people who ask questions, they don't care about what you're saying. Yeah. They are waiting to talk again. Right. <laughs> I've, I've done a lot of interviews in my life, and to me, I know right away uh, whether I'm going to crush this or not due to what the, So give me your phone real quick. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have mine out just as a value to yeah. you. I don't want you to think that. <laughs> Thanks for that. So sometimes people be like, so what's it like um, being a celebration in Fresno? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so um, Going through what's the it? 
Yeah. And I'm looking at them so I can say whatever yeah. I want. And yeah. I will they totally hide every interview hijack. Like, yeah. you know, especially if it's like a, you know, the bigger the interview, the more stressed out the person is and the more proud they are. So they'll be like, it's great to have you. Um, they have their whole plan. I can just tell. I'm going to. I'm gonna crush this right now. Yeah. So the moment, because you're not listening to what I'm saying. So yeah. that's my question. I look at the camera. Our church meets at <laughs> Hammerstein uh, Manhattan Center. Yeah. Services at 9:30, 12:30. Just start rolling. Oh, okay. What's your stance on? Hold on a sec. So if you want to come, because you're not listening yeah. anyway. Yeah. And we're on live TV. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna win a live <laughs> battle all day right. long. So all that to say, people don't want to listen. Um, Christians want to talk. And if you really read what the Bible says about evangelism, what Jesus did, who they are, uh, I think listening is the biggest weapon we have. But yeah. it takes too much work as a Christian to listen. Yeah. It takes a lot of as work. As a person, it takes, right? To actually listen and compute information. So tell me your life story. Mm -hmm. To find out why somebody thinks like they think, mm, could be there for a while. Most Christians are like, I got this answer. I'll crush your view. I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to tell you why you're wrong. And yeah. I think if we can just sometimes just patiently listen to people on a lot of things, our world would look different. It can be frustrating at times, especially when um, you're, I think, as someone who's willing to engage in conversation and passionate about an ideal or something that is big in our society, whether it be conversations on racism mm -hmm. or politics or whatever you begin to get into that conversation. And sometimes when you're talking to somebody, you can almost see that fire light up in their eyes where they, were, the listen they, were, they were listening to you at first. But as soon as you said that, then it's like, I'm ready just to unleash my rage on you. And they don't want to consider anything you say after that, especially with hot yeah. topics like racism and things like that, that people don't even, they don't, they, again, they don't think about what they're not thinking it through, but no. they just get, like, I have something to say it's about the worst. this. Yeah, I can. Uh, how do you think that, how do you, can you even have conversations with those kind of people? Or do you think that they well, have because to we're Christians, journey? because we're Christians, we can. Mm -hmm. So I will never lose my faith that in the blink of an eye, God can break somebody's walls down. That's good. That's why when uh, people ask about going back to the president, like, how could you ever, you know, talk to support, whatever. And I'm like, you know, first of all, as a baseline, baseline level Christian, I talk to anybody because yeah. God could use a word. He could use a handshake to drop this guy in the power of God and who knows what could happen. So right away, we should stop judging anybody for talking to anybody on that level. Yeah. Um, but I think that, yeah, you're right. When you get people just to just to be humble in in their stance, that's that's what we're fighting for. Yeah. Here's my view, I could be wrong. Let me break it down, go ahead, what do you think? What do you lose with yeah. being with being like that? Nothing, Yeah. but it shows people are insecure. The more insecure somebody is, the louder, and the more defiant, sometimes and the more confining they are. Yeah. Somebody who's really secure, they can listen to everybody, because they know, I got the last word, I'm gonna hold all the cards. Yeah. Feel free to give your view. I am not threatened by you whatsoever. But if you, if I'm always up like this, I'm, I apparently think you're going to attack me. Right. So I got to really come at you. Or sometimes I I'll talk to people and go, "Why are you, yeah. why are you so aggressive right now? Like, what's right. wrong with you? And like, what are you, what are you so insecure <laughs> about? Like, what are you? I'm not. I'm, I'm fine. I totally was like, chill out. Yeah. You know, we're, you're good. And part of it is probably. I mean, I've never, I haven't thought about that much before. What you're saying, I think, even for those that are wanting to have conversation, 
being mindful of your approach at the table, being mindful of your approach of even what it is that you're wanting to talk about and how it could make the other person feel based upon their background. I mean, you hit it on the head and you could do a whole thing on that. I always tell people there's a couple of little phrases you can use. Like if I may, uh huh. If, if you ever add that to a, you should, we should do a whole thing on little things make a big difference. But yeah. if, if I may, may I, may I share my, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's a lot different than well, where you're from. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so true. let me tell you something about you. If I may, from what I know, yeah, the whole conversation is different. What happened? My view didn't change, but my approach, where do y'all get that from? Well, some guy sitting at a well, you do have a couple of husbands. Yeah. Matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, I, my favorite, my favorite paradigm shifter is Jesus talking to that, talking to that special woman at a yeah. well. Knowing that he created her mind, hmm. let alone knew the answer she was going to give, but still ask these crazy yeah. leading questions, right. and yet we don't have time to do this. It's just you know, crazy to me, but I love it. That's why I love being a Christian. I got a really good blueprint of how I can be effective in a very crazy, diverse culture. Yeah. You, you talk a lot about uh, conviction. It's been kind of like a reoccurring theme in what we talked about today. I want to ask you about this because this is something I've been personally kind of trying to work through or understand. The idea of conviction, when we talk about conviction as uh, believers, people of faith in God, a lot of times we're talking, we'll reference, we're talking about like the Holy Spirit within us. We're talking about God convicted me on the inside. If we had to boil that down to talking with somebody that has no context Hmm. of your belief system, well, what what do you mean that this conviction, it would boil down to for a lot of people in a lot of ways, some sort of a feeling, some sort of a gut, intrinsic, internal feeling, passion, whatever. Yeah. It's a, um, could be, it's more than a feeling because conviction sometimes often includes feeling, but uh-huh. sometimes it doesn't. That's why you're very, you're on very shaky ground if all your convictions include feeling. Because my best convictions have no feeling. That's how I know it's a conviction. Like, my conviction doesn't feel good, but is right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't have peace with that. Don't use peace. Don't bring peace into this. Yeah. What you mean is you don't want to. Yeah. Like, but if God was in it, wouldn't I have peace? Mm. Peace is different than you think. Jesus had peace in the garden, but he didn't want to die, go through this awful death, yet he did it. Conviction to me, if someone's listening, like, how do you build my convictions? Um, it can't be what you feel. Yeah. It has to be what you see in God's word. And then it has to be what you say. So can, can I see it in God's word? And can I, can I say this? Can I live with this? Can I stand on this? And um, it's not, to me, it doesn't have to be harder than that. If, if the conviction you hold doesn't match up with the Bible that you read, uh, you've got ideas and feelings and you're wrong. And you're, you're setting your life up on a wrong foundation. But a lot of people have feelings that don't match up to what the Bible said. Yeah. So it just takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of wisdom. What about people of different faiths? Not I don't talk to them. Can't stand them. <laughs> that we know. Yeah. Um, outside of Christianity, I mean, you take any, any religion, uh, Mormonism or something, something where somebody has what they would call conviction about their faith. What separates their conviction from your conviction as far as on a human level like what you feel what you know because you said what you feel but then there's also this thing of what you've been taught and what has been what we would call like revelation to you 
if the person on the other side of that fence feels the exact same way mm-hmm. and is just as passionate about theirs, we had this conversation about about conviction. Mm-hmm. How do you do you separate well, the two? Or? Mine's easy because I mean you have your conviction, um, and I have mine. So my conviction is is you know for instance in this case is Jesus is is God. He is the way, the truth, the light. Your conviction is something different, but my conviction also includes still, still loving you, still being friends with you, still fighting for you, mm-hmm. still praying for you, still standing my ground as I'm going to be here till the day God brings me home, trying to let you understand my conviction. So some people believe the conviction shuts the door. I believe it opens it. And we're not wrong about some of the belief systems, like because there are faith systems out there that teach you to walk away if somebody is, is not believing what you believe, but our conviction uh, should open more doors than close them. Do you think what they called their conviction is the same thing as what you call your conviction? I mean, down to the, down to the deepest level of the word, yes, because a conviction is literally just a deep, concrete belief in something. Uh-huh. So yeah, they have a conviction in this. Um, it's similar. It's just a different thing that they're anchored to. Yeah. So conviction basically is what anchors you to something. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they're anchored to a different boat. And the only problem is we find out whose boat's right in storms. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Who's right in storms, meaning what you go through yeah, in life. Death, and- um, sometimes it's too late. You find out that you tied something to the deck wrong in a storm uh, and you lost it. That's a great way of putting it. So I often tell people, cool, your, your, your conviction right now is that. Huh. Good luck. Good luck. Wow. You're going to find out if it's real. Um, maybe too late. A lot of people, their conviction is, hey, this is what I believe, the universe. I give good energy out. Universe will bring good energy in. That's your conviction? Cool. That's such a great way When to put that it, falls down. Yeah. I'll be here. Because my conviction teaches me that Jesus is, great, is, is, is a perfect God. There's no energy in, energy out thing. So yeah. I, I'm not waiting for that storm. I, I'm going to give the best I can, but life is going to throw crap the rest of my life because that's, that's the fallen yeah. world we live in. Yeah. Your conviction says differently. You're not going to find out till the rain hits the deck. Wow. Yeah, it's a cold day. That's a great way of putting it. Mm. And it really puts you on a journey, too. If you're Because convic- conviction, more than a feeling, even more than a belief, but it's what you're anchored to, what you're saying. So even the things we were talking about in the beginning, things that you think may be convictions... The real test is if they stand the test of time through life and the mm-hmm. storms that you that you go through. Right? Yeah. Would it. you say that? Because would you say that? I mean, have your convictions evolved and changed as time has gone on? Is Some there certain ones that didn't? What, what time is it, by the way? Uh, we got about three minutes. <sighs> I go to the bathroom. That's what I was asking. Too much information. <laughs> um, yes, my convictions have changed for sure, and that freaks some people out. Um, and I think that that's okay. I think what I mean by that is I, I still passionately believe what I've always believed, but you, we should be growing in our, in our conviction and yeah. we should be growing in our faith. And that's why everything's there. The way that Jesus led um, shows me that there, it's okay. There's room for me on this journey. Like I'm passionate about what I believe right now, but I'm also open to, to God opening my eyes again. You know, and um, that's where I try to live. So I'm just going to do my best right now, be as passionate as I can, have these convictions with the caveat that, you know what, I I don't know it all. God could open my eyes and redirect my life. And I don't think it's going to be doctrinal. I think my convictions are the same there. But when it comes to some things, like I used to be, I remember when I was a youth pastor, 
killing some kid in my youth ministry uh, for having a MySpace account. Mm-hmm. Killing him. How could you do that? You that did? stuff is so weird. Yeah, I was so mad at him. <laughs> I just knew nothing about it. Yeah. And now I look back on that. I've, I tried to track that kid down and be like, my bad, bro. Okay. Like, you were fine. You're just ahead of the curve. <laughs> Way ahead of the um, curve. So now as I have moved forward in life, I always remember that moment of like, MySpace, it's the devil. Like, yeah. how could you have a profile? What are you, some creep? <laughs> no, it's not a profile like that. It's just the name of the, no, you're wrong. Yeah. You're compromising. Yeah, It's compromised. Um, so I, I just, now I, I think about stuff like that as I, as I live my life as an adult, as a pastor. And yeah. When you talk about doctrine changing, for those that may not know what, what you mean when you say doctrine, what do you... Foundational elements of our faith, what the Bible says, who God is, uh, who Jesus is, yeah. doctrine of why we believe we're saved in the first yeah. place, who can be in heaven, who can't, who can yeah. be in our churches, who can't. These are doctrinal issues. Good. Um, I'll ask one more thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. As you're... Um, I was just wondering, as your life has, has changed and evolved, or I guess as your influence has expanded... You're very good at being sincere and genuine mm. when you're around people. Very good at that. How do you how do you do is that a challenge for you at all given your profile? Do you feel like people sometimes want to be around you because of who you are mm. versus uh, yeah. or who you know versus yeah. how it used to be or when people and how Yeah, it's do? hard because it, it what's changed over the years is how people um, see you. Sometimes people will say, this person's changed. I'm always like, I don't know if that person's changed. I think the way people view them has. And I felt that a little bit just because it's just weird for me to, to have a life where people put you in a, in a, in a weird space. And that happens with a bigger church as well. People think you're somebody that's, you know, just removed from them. And it's not even a disrespectful thing. It's just like, oh, you don't yeah. have time to worry about this. And I know you got other stuff on. I hate when people premise questions like yeah. that. But I just, I try not to get overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in any sphere and just try to stay true to who we are. So how do I like to be treated? I like for people to look me in the eyes and ask me questions that matter. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And I, how do I want to be treated? Well, I don't like it when people just blow by me in a hallway. Yeah. So do my best. To, I can't be perfect and get it all done, but... I can try to stay true to my convictions, which is to treat people like they matter, because they do. And it's simple enough. Being that people would sometimes maybe have the wrong motivation in wanting to know you, be around you, be close with you, do you find it harder to trust new people? Nah. Not at all? No, because everybody has weird motives. I have weird motives. That's why we need Jesus. Like I, I don't think someone's good enough to like be able to hustle me yeah Yeah, i'm not worried about you i'm I'm not gonna like well i'm not worried about every person like are you you have the right motives like no like i if you if you are good enough to you know weasel your way into something god will weasel you out like i I can't live my whole life like that's good this guy for real yeah like are you right uh, i have felt the sting of being used uh, and then I'm like, eh, it is what it is. Move. I, I, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to wonder if I give you this handout. Are you, wait, do you, you think this is going to be forever? Like, I'm not doing yeah. that now. Nah, if I got a hundred bucks and you need it, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. I don't care if you've been, I didn't realize you've been saddling up to me for months because you th- thought I had money or something. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't I didn't even think like that. I want to stay like that. Yeah. And I think the Holy Spirit can be our guide with that. That's good, man. Good. Well, I'll let you use the rest. Appreciate you doing this i appreciate you with a broken pinky and all this is the gospel man this is the price this is ministry you know that's a really crooked finger i'm just gonna love you my brother it's a pleasure man it's a pleasure yeah thank you fresno out that's right mic drop